Well, while the English were throwing away their wickets at Lords last night, the Swans were throwing the goals away at the SCG, and the level of shock was summed up by Lance Franklin, involuntarily producing the best edition of Gogglebox for the year. Sam Edmonds sitting in for Jared Waitley on this Saturday morning. Luke Hodge is with us. G'day, Hodgey. Morning, Sammy. We went from uh, Thursday night where one team kicked 20 goals to Friday night where one team almost kicked 20 points and cost them the game. It was a uh, it was a weird feeling, the fact that what John Longmire just said was spot on. The, the football that they played in that first half, how they tried to pierce their way through Geelong's defence, um, it was excellent football apart from the most important part of it, and that was finishing the work. And when the siren went, the, the feeling around the ground of the Sydney supporters, they were just shocked that how did they let that game slip away. But unfortunately, that's football. It is indeed. David King is back for more. Kingy, my grandma used to yell out, Chewy on your boot. She wouldn't have needed to do that last night. <laughs> oh, it was a strange game, wasn't it? Uh, look, we love watching the contest. Um, I wouldn't want to be Foxy walking in a train this morning. It would be an awkward feeling, Foxy, walking in having missed from the goal square. But, uh, I'll tell you what, he's got he's got a number of mates standing right beside him there, Kingy. No, I know. <laughs> I know, but from the goal square, Hodgie. Um, look, it was, I think it's just a battle of, of two teams that are just going. That are just going, in my opinion. And we're all looking to see whether there's any fight still in Geelong to, to mount a charge and... And then can they cause an upset from six, seven, or eight? On you know, in going into a final series. But I think the reality of what you see is they're just two sides fighting against the odds to put to to put a game together. I, I thought the Swans were really well coached last night. I, th- I thought that um, yeah, John Longmire's responsibility is to give them a plan that can win them the game against a, a, a well set Geelong that you know what you're playing against. And they had ample opportunity and just didn't have the courage to kick the goals. And we're steadily working our way through the AFL.com.au office. Great to have Riley Beveridge in the studio today. <laughs> Riley, welcome. It's great to be here, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Crunch time debut, which I'm looking forward to. But, yeah, just on what you said, King, as well, it just feels like now there's 14 sides that are sort of grinding away, trying to make the top eight. And anywhere between five and 14 at the moment, you could throw a blanket over them and no one's really establishing themselves as a genuine September contender just yet. And I think last night was a bit of an indication of that, that just two sides that were good enough, but mm-hmm. not good enough to, good enough to make the eight, but not good enough to genuinely compete at the, the back end of September. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating watch for the next eight weeks or so. We'll need your nose for news in our second segment, because there's a bit to take out of last night as well. Just a certain dangerous tackle for something new to debate and uh, some issues as well with those play on calls, which we'll get to in a moment surrounding the Geelong captain, Patrick Dangerfield. But the Friday wrap is for the stack team app, the ultimate in team management. Hodgie, John Longmire in the aftermath lamented that poor finishing, he could do that, and he did. He fell back on what he could do, though, was fall back on the fundamentals that his side were able to, to produce, which were sound. Chris Scott, bitterly disappointed, as you heard, off the off the top, and appeared, and not sure he had the same thing to fall back on that, that Horst did down the hallway. No, I think he would have went in there at halftime and, and realised they were totally underplayed. And you could tell early in that third quarter that Chris Scott made a few tweaks, and he had to tell that defence that they had to tighten up a little bit because... Sydney were going through the corridor. They were 
the old saying of lowering their vision, trying to hit up the free man, because we all know Geelong got, they always get their numbers back into their def- defensive 50 to try and have support for their defenders. But when you have so many people back, it means you don't have to pick up blokes where Sydney were good enough, their skills were good enough to try and pierce it open. And that's what the frustrating thing with Chris Scott would have been. And he said after the game, he goes, we got away with two points, which gets them back into the eight for, for the time being. But should they really deserve to get those two points? Probably not. So they're probably walking away with a little bit more than what they deserve from the football they played compared to their opponents. Was there any alibi for the Swans? It was a bit said in the aftermath about the conditions and it was a bit windy and what the, what they were prepared for. What was it like there at the SCG? Yeah, it, was, it was swirly. It was going to the left of screen. It was going from, from left to right across the goals. Um, but in saying that, there was a lot, of, a lot of opportunities that you'd expect blokes at AFL standard to kick. But one, one thing with coaches, coaches don't like having a go at players for, for skill error because they, they try, they're trying to do the right thing that they will crack it when they go against team structure or go against or trying to do something selfish for himself rather than the team first. But it comes to a stage where pressure situations and you don't have a routine to kick goals. I, I, there's a couple there that hit you. I don't, want to, I don't just want to single him out, but he had a shot from 10 metres out. It looked like he'd never done a set shot routine in his life. He walked in and just tried to poke it. He was he probably tried to kick it three metres past the goal line rather than you see the good goal kickers, whether they're 50, 15 metres out or 45, they kick through the ball and have a set shot routine. He didn't, and a lot of his other teammates missed as well, but they're the kind of things that coaches do get frustrated at, that such important part of finishing the good work up the field but then you just go and poke, poke it at the goal so yes there was a little bit of win but you can't go away kick six goals 18 from especially when a lot of them weren't too far out so kingy if you're smart you're robbie fox you're getting a lift with tom Icky, aren't you to training robbie fox is probably <laughs> walking to train today i'm not sure there's too many picking him up um, now we've all been in that situation where you've made a mistake that's you know, put the game on the line or cost the game. So it's just a, it's an awkward feeling. It, it's the teams lose. Not, not, individuals don't you know, necessarily cost yep. you the game. There's a lot lot into it. But it, it was just it, it happens regularly, doesn't it? When when you start to miss at the start of the game, it just it just feeds through the whole group, and and no one seems unless one person can correct it, you're in real trouble. But if you have a look at if you have a look at where the shots were taken from, <clears throat> so outside of forty meters, four goals, six from Sydney, and outside of forty meters. Three goal six from Geelong. Mm. So, so that if they give you those long shots at goals, they're, they're low percentage or lower percentage. Four posters for the Swans. Couple so out in the full. Couple out in the full. An awful night. Um, and I think it's just, you could just see the frustration. Every time they showed poor Bud, Bud was just rubbing his head thinking, how, how did you miss this? How, how could you miss that one? <laughs> King, how, much does, how much does pressure, do you think pressure brings into it? Because... They were coming in after a good win last week. They think, if we can beat Geelong tonight, we're back equal with the eight. We might be a chance if we can finish off the season strongly. Last week against West Coast, no pressure on them because they're flying. They're playing a team that's sitting bottom of the ladder. They kick 18 goals, six from Shet Shots last week. And then all of a sudden, it's four goals, nine. And I lost count of how many either didn't make the distance or, or went on the full. How much is that technique? How much is that pressure? Or how much is that, that little man in your head? when you're running in to try and put one through when you really need that goal? Yeah, I don't know is the answer. I was never in that really that oh, sort of I'm player. asking a backman yeah, about kicking goals. I know. So, <laughs> you, you, yeah, I'm flying blind. So I'm, I'm just happy to hit my foot at that stage, Hodgie. But now, look, you hear, you hear Richo talk about it constantly in the coverage, that, that he talks about the little man all the time. And you can you can see players tighten up, can't you? You watch enough footy, you think, oh, he doesn't look confident, this mm. poor bugger. 
Um, but, but I don't want to bring back bad memories. But you've played in teams and in big games where it's permeated through the group. Mm, and it does. So you, you can speak from the feeling that you might have as a collective. Yeah. Well, once, once you start missing, it's... And they were dominant early, Sydney. They should have mm. had a four-goal yeah. lead early. And, and one poor switch in the middle, all of a sudden it's all square. And you go, wow, how, how did that happen? They, they should be four goals up 20 minutes in. But that's footy. You know, the major part of, of, of our code is getting it through the big sticks. And, and it doesn't matter what you do outside of that. You can tell whatever story you like. Um, you, you haven't completed the deal. Hodgie's right though, Rolly. You sat in a lot of these coaches' press conferences mm. and, and John Longmire does it as well as anyone. He's a magnificent coach, but he was given ample opportunity to criticise the finishing. And if anything, he was glass half full on the whole result. Yeah, a lot of times they don't want to give themselves excuses and, and, and that's a fair enough statement to make. But the, the issue I think that John Longmire would have had last night was the fact that they took eight marks inside 50 in the first quarter. Like mm. the, the game, as you said, King, it could have been over by a quarter time. Should it's, have been over. It's not just a one-week thing as well. I mean, I know they thrashed West Coast last week. It's hard to read into it. They did kick 19 behinds last week. Like They kicked more behinds last week than they did last night. So their kicking was an issue last last week as well. Isaac Keeney kicked 5-4 last week. Could have had a, a huge bag, a huge yeah. night, but, but kicked 5-4. They had a, a number of players kick multiple behinds. So, but, but the problem was the fact that they had so many opportunities early. It just gives Geelong that little bit of impetus in the second quarter to get their way, get their nose back into the game, to get the momentum back. It was a game of momentum last night as well. So, yeah, they let the cats off the hook massively in that opening term. And then at halftime, Hodgie, they reset, don't they, Geelong? And you know they're going to make corrections. They're a good team. They identify, they fix. There was an interesting little cutaway there in the Geelong coaches box, almost like a roundtable conversation mid-game between the coaches. And they reset at halftime, didn't they? And they made life harder for the Swans after that. Yeah, well, that, it shows that they're, they're a premiership team. They're an experienced team. And when a coach does give instructions just to tweak a few of their defensive mindsets, they were, you could tell early on they were a little bit tighter. But then Sydney continued to try and switch the ball, get it to the open side. But Geelong really honed in on the centre of the ground. They really tried to cut the switch, tried to cut through that fast speed that Sydney were getting early in the game. And it did work, which it got to a stage where they finished with... 50 inside 50s each. So you talk about Sydney's dominance early. Geelong flipped it round and it had just as much ball inside forward half in that in that second half. Um, but once again, they this they missed a lot of opportunities, which Chris Scott mentioned after the game as well. So Isaac Heaney is the one for me. He's a, he's a beautiful player. He's a beautiful kick, and when he's on, they're a different team. But this year, he's kicked 15 goals, 14, and 14 complete misses. He's going at 35% conversion. That, that, that's, that's, that costs you games. Mm. When you've got a guy who's your primary focal point uh, you know, inside 50, it's, it's, you've got to convert better than that. Tom Papley, 20, 25, 17, and 13 complete misses. So that's 25 out of what? Out of 55, is it? So, that, I mean, they're, they're poor rates. They're, it's just poor conversion. So in the end... In the end, it's always going to cost you. And you can argue technique, you can argue all those sorts of things. But Isaac Heaney, he's had, how many shots of goals Isaac Heaney had over the years? I mean, his technique, he would have refined for, for 10 years, Hodgie. So it, is it just, it's just taking your moment, having the conviction, the courage, the confidence, all those sorts of things. So it's very hard to sit here and be critical of guys missing goal. But It's gone from, from last week, mate, where he kicked five. He kicked five, four, as you said. His first two set shots... 
it looked like he was just a stab in the dark. One of them swung into the wind and hit the left point, a goal post, sorry, point post that was out in the full. And then his neck shot, he thought I might overcorrect and went the totally opposite way and hit the right point post for out on the full as well. You could sort of see that as soon as he had the ball inside Ford 50, he was nervous. That man we spoke about before was, was second guessing. So in the two weeks where he's kicked five goals... <laughs> and eight or nine points and a couple on the full. He was like a golfer getting up on the first tee, thinking, I don't know whether this is going to go left or <laughs> right or straight. Well, shut your eyes and sweep. <laughs> think, oh, let's find out what the day has, you know. This, this might be harsh, but the, the flying shot at the end that he has when the scores are level, it goes out in the full. Do you have to have a bit more game awareness there that you just got to get it? I mean, you've essentially got point post to point post to aim at. Well, you've he's got trying. To get a score there. He's trying to kick a goal, though, isn't he? He is, but I mean, I don't think you can miss the complete target from there. Maybe I'm being harsh, but with the game awareness, you've just got to get it through in some respect. <laughs> yeah. I think. I reckon a little bit harsh there. I think it's a, it's a little bit different when we're when we're we're got a set shot. There's no pressure on as far as externally. When you're late in the game, yes, the the adrenaline's rushing there. Mm. You know you've got to hit the scoreboard, but he had a lot of pressure in and around him, and and sometimes. Those snaps don't come perfectly off the boot. Um, I can understand where you come from, but I reckon a little bit harsh with the pressure that Geelong had in and around that defensive 50. A deeper question. Which of these two teams finishes top four first and when? From here. From here. Not well, necessarily this, the, this year, but this, going forward. You can include this year if you like. You can include whenever you want. It's This is the challenge of the game. It's, it's They played off in the grand final last year. Mm. And right now... 15, 16 weeks later, mm. you're thinking, well, gee, how far away are they? Yep. It's been amazing, mm. the, 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 the fall. I think they'll both have big summers in terms of what they do with their lists as well. So if we know Geelong's right in the mix for, for Tom DeConing. We know the Swans are, are casting the net far and wide for a key position player at either end of the field. I look at Geelong's midfield, and particularly over the last month when Cam Guthrie and Patrick Dangerfield haven't played and the onus has been on guys like Brad Close who've gone in there a lot and, and, and guys like Zach Guthrie who've gone in there a lot and think, do they need another genuine midfielder, another genuine 25, 26-year-old midfielder as well as a, a Tom DeConing at season's end? So I think they're both going to be right in the hunt and, and two of the more aggressive teams come the trade period but as what's well. available? I mean, it's all well and good to say we're looking for a key position forward like Sydney are, but th- there's nothing available. Yeah. On, on, no on, game changes. There's, I mean, Ben King's not going to Sydney next year. No, he's not. But he's, they'll be in the mix for Harry Himmelberg. I think they'll be in is the mix. Is he a game for, changer as a forward? No, but he gives you an option. He, he gives you an option and, and, and a foil for for Logan McDonald. If you think Logan McDonald's your next key forward for the next ten years. So what? What Sydney's finishing, Oji? The only that was literally the only thing they did wrong. So they take sixteen marks inside fifty to a half. Cal mentioned it at quarter time. They've got sixteen in a half. So Geelong down back's interesting as well. Like, since the Savaradigali has come back in, he's obviously gone back to that, that newfound position in defence. They've got he, Henry, De Koning, Collar Jasny, Stewart, who can play small admittedly, but gee, they're big down back, aren't they? And even with all that, they take 16 marks inside 50 because of the way Sydney were playing, which was lowering the eyes, going inside 50, clearly with a target and a plan to pick Geelong off. And then... Maybe I'm making too much into it, but Asava's subbed out at the end. So he's another player who hasn't signed at Geelong, will want to play every week, wanted to be traded you know, at the end of last season, hasn't signed on yet. So it's a very interesting situation, I reckon, with Geelong down back and how they set up. Yeah, I think especially you, you've got to have a decent balance. And I think early in the season when Radigalia, everyone's sitting there going, what a centre-half back, how good is this? He's marking everything because he was the... the main intercept marker down there. They had De Koning was injured a little bit. Tommy Stewart was out for a bit. Um, 
Henry, of course, was was injured. So the balance with Talls and Smalls was a bit more even than right now. And, and it was a clear instruction from Sydney to, to attack that, attack the, the agility of the Talls and the fact that all intercept markers, you look through all the intercept markers throughout the league, they don't want to man up because their whole strength, and that's what they, the club likes them for, is they intercept mark and then off they go, and that's the offensive part of the game. That's where it starts from. As soon as you've got to make them accountable, they go against their natural instinct. And it does take a long time to switch, as it did it took to the halftime for Geelong. I thought the Swans last night played corridor with absolute aggression for that first 60 minutes of footy, and, and that then avails you high-quality, multiple-option inside mm. forward 50-yard entries. Which most teams can't handle. It's not wasn't. I don't think just a Geelong discussion last night. This, when the Swans play like that through the corridor with their kicking skills, right person in, with the footy. You know, you're talking about guys like Blakey and Goulden, and uh, even I thought McInerney was really good early. Like they, they just made the right decision at the right time. Yep. And, and if they, had they been rewarded in terms of conversion at goal, it would have been a smashing. It would have been one of the prettier watches for the year. So I, I think uh, tactically they were brilliant. Just, just didn't quite finish the deal. Is that where Sydney sort of fell down a little bit late? Because we, we've spoken about Geelong made a, a bit of a tighten up at the back half, but they also had a clear focus on covering that cricket pitch in the middle, making sure that if Sydney were going to get through Geelong's team defence, it wasn't going to go through the corridor. But mm. Sydney Third continued quarter. to try and probe straight through the middle. And that's what gave off. It felt like that's what turned Geelong's game around. They got a few intercepts. They got a few turnovers. They had the ball played in their half a lot more. I just felt that because their game tactic early on for Sydney was to go through the corridor, they just tried that even when it wasn't there. Well, that was Geelong the plan. Made those, those, I think, think you've got to be aggressive, Hodgie. If you're going to do it and it works big in the first half, from a Sydney point of view, you're going to continue with it. I mean, you're challenging Geelong to improve. And if they don't, you still run, run the same course through the second half. But if they do, well, then you've, you've got a game on your hands. But that, that's the art of coaching, isn't it? And that's why you've got to get goals on the board when you, when you have that dominance. But that's, that's where good teams, mate, they, good teams will go through. And as soon as a team makes a tweak and makes a change, as Geelong did, a good team, an experienced team, will adapt and maybe not go as hard. They might switch it maybe back a little bit and then go to the fat side of the ground. And I think that's where with Sydney in their defence, like you look through where they've made a lot of changes, it is through their back half. That's where I reckon that's their education and development in their game to t- make tweaks after the other teams have made changes, if you if you understand what I'm saying. Riley, there's not many subs that haven't been used this year. There might yeah. only even be a couple. So Ryan Clark, not even brought on last night, which was interesting. I think Toby McLean was the first. That might have been in Bonds 200th earlier this year at the yeah. Western Bulldogs. But uh, he's stiff. It was a surprise because Ryan Clark's not a – I mean, he's a runner. He's a player that can either lock down someone if you've got someone that's – on the loose either defensively or through the midfield and he's someone who can get on the outside as well if you need him to so it was a bit of a surprise I, I wonder if as Kingy said if, if John Longmire in the coach's box is thinking to himself I'm happy with his going apart from the execution and you don't want to make any alterations to to, to fiddle with that a little bit but I, I was a bit surprised just given the fact that it was so tight so congested late that mm. you don't want another runner on the field no, this is an error this is an error because it's either the wrong type of player for the actual position you're picking. You're picking the sub, someone yep. who can come on and impact. Mm. It's exactly what every club's doing. What what can we get out of this guy late in the third quarter or start of the last? We want an advantage. If you don't think that player who's a run-with type tagger mm. can't give you an advantage, he's probably a poor choice as a sub. 
So oh, is he there you... in case someone gets out of control? In their mind, no one got off the leash for, from a Geelong. But you're missing out on that, yeah. adva- that, that advantage, that zip... power play of throwing someone in and having them just run at a different mm. a different rate than the rest of the tiring crew. So I think it's either a mistake not to put him into the game for, for some for, – make the change. P- pick a player, make yep. the change, and just see what happens. Or you've picked the wrong type of player. You, you look at the – the stat sheet. Not not everything goes by via stats, but Hayden McLean had seven. This is the four um, low touches for for the Sydney Swans. Amadi had nine. Hickey had ten. McDonald had ten. That's where I would have taken one of the tools off because of the speed of the game and how much it was a turnover back and forth game. That's where they could have made that change there, Kingy. Bring him on. Give a bit of run, bit of spark. Can kick a goal, but you take off one of those tools. And and Sydney weren't accepting just going long down the line. They want to pierce through the midfield, as we've already spoken. If you take off a tall, bring on a runner, that could create that extra little bit of instability going forward. Just just in terms of whether or not it was the right choice, it was the first time Ryan Clark had been subbed this season as well. Mm. So it's the first time he's fulfilled that role. It's the first time John Longmire's turned to him to be that role. So whether or not they made that decision on the run or thought to themselves we might not need him regardless... I don't know. Now they're happy with the game, the way the game's playing it. So we're not we're not having a go at what's happening on field. Mm. But if you can't inject a player that comes and then changes the, the the running profile of that position, so it's a high half forward or an on ball or mm. whatever it is to gain an advantage. It's a free hit, isn't then it? it's the wrong player. Mm. Yeah. I, I think we, they they probably can see that today. I mean, some teams have been using Ruckman in that role yeah. to come on and gain advantage on tiring defences when you can roll the extra tall forward. So there's no there's no real science to it at the moment. Each team's doing different things. But to not bring him on makes me think that the coach doesn't feel he can get an advantage out of that type of player. Mm. And the worst part for him is we're out there doing the post-match and the poor fellow was running around by himself. <laughs> he, we went and, had, we went and spoke to the fitness guys and we said, what, what's the target? Considering they've got a game in six days and they were using it because he didn't get on as a, as a freshen up. It was only a four or 5K run because they got six days into Richmond. Mm. Bit of speed, bit of ground ball, but you felt for the poor fellow. It was a cold, windy night, wanting to get on, wanting to have an impact and the only result he ended up doing was running laps by himself at the end of the game at 11 o'clock. Takes me back to the under-9s, to be honest. And they, they played the VFL curtain raiser beforehand, so he can't even get a VFL game under his belt yeah. later in the weekend because they would have been saving him for the... For mind the you, Bailey, Bailey Smith does those full-blown run-downs after playing a full <laughs> game. If you don't mind, uh, Hodgie, such is the machine that he is. A um, Groundhog Day, footy's version of it, is definitely the dangerous tackle. But, gee, the game's got an amazing ability to throw up... Um, you know, places that we've never been before, even in the margins like this. So we'll debate uh, Brad Close's tackle uh, after this break with Aaron Francis. There are a number of other uh, contentious moments in the game last night that we'll explore. It is crunch time. We're off and running for the Berwick Motor Group. You can visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group. And Ozito, they power DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. A great play from Friday Night Footy. For Luxus Crates. The leaders in aluminium drainage, UV stable, rust proof and customizable on site. Luxus Crates. Distributed Australia wide. Deep into attack, the Swans Amadi was latched onto from the stoppage. It's a quick kick. It was Parker, and it was magnificent. Lux is great. They are the leaders in customizable aluminium drainage, and they provide our highlight out of Friday night. A rare one in front of the sticks as well, it must be said. Crunch time, we're off and running. Luke Hodge is with us. David King, Riley Beveridge as well. Gentlemen, 
Brad Close's tackle on Aaron Francis. Now, Close has already done some time this year for a tackle on Jordan Dawson. This one, very different, though. Tackled him to the ground, pinned an arm. No doubt the MRO, Michael Christian, will have a close look at this as we speak. We might as well conduct a roundtable conversation of our own. Hodgie, you were there. What was your first thought? Uh, my, my first thought was, what else could he do? He's tackling a bloke who's 10 kilograms heavier than him, trying to run away from him. Uh, he's had to pin an arm to control him and then with the momentum taking him to ground. But you look back at the rules and I've, I've gone through a lot of them thinking what what a player supposed to do when they're tackling blokes that are driving away from them. And unfortunately, when the rules say you've got an arm pinned and you forcefully take him to ground and they're hitting it to ground, you, you've got a case to answer. So I, I guess the good thing for him that there was no injuries. Uh, Francis was able to get back on. He did look a little bit shaky at the start. Um, but unfortunately, from what we've seen so far this year, as soon as you you tick those boxes of an arm pinned, head hits the ground with a forceful tackle, that, um, yeah, there will be something coming his way. So you think he gets a week? Off it a week? Yeah, as much as I don't yeah. like it, as much as I'm sitting there going, I, I feel that's the way it's going. Kingy? I tend to agree, and I think that's a healthy starting point this year. We're trying to change behaviour. If, if we... If we regress so quickly, if we go backwards now and change our, our our policy or our mind and say, oh, no, let's water it down, that's okay. No, but did he have another option like Hodgie suggests? Do you did, think, Close? So you're saying did he did? Clo- did Close have it? Oh, of course he's got another option. He yeah. can let the arm go. He can... He, he can uh, let the arm go? Let him, handball, yeah. let, let him handball it out? Well, you're asking if he's had another option. I'm did telling he, you he had another option. To did he try to? Did he try to turn him? Do you think? And the, and you can't you can't turn. It's it, it's almost impossible to turn players that are that much stronger yeah. than you. And thirty kilos heavier, twenty kilos heavier, as he might have All those things. Yep. So that's that's. So the only other option is to let the arm go and just can continue with the tackle around the waist. But um, you run the risk of the player handball and the ball. That that is the other option. And if that's what the game's asking him to do, then it's. He's unfortunate. The, the, the grey area, and I heard Nick Del Santo talk about this last night, is that he does have an arm free. He's holding the ball. He can kick it. Well, or he can release He can release the ball and protect his fall. Mm. So is is that something that we need to look at? So as is there a responsibility on the person being no, tackled? I just heard a contrary, a contrary discussion, and I'm just tabling it before Hodgie goes crazy at me. I'm just saying. Oh, he's sizing if, you up too, if, I can see. I know. If we're, just, if we're talking about players protecting their own head, is there is there an avenue to look at for the sake of a player not being concussed hanging onto the footy to allow the ball to fall mm. to break his fall? Kingy, I wasn't going to have a go at you. What I was going to say, there was two Tommy, options. Tommy, it was Nick <laughs> no, 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 what I'm saying, so we're talking about the sub. I'm saying if Francis let go of that ball in the defensive 50 just to protect himself, tell you what, Sydney sub would have been made a lot earlier because coaches in the defensive yeah, 50, when, you're, no, when your standards for the season so far haven't been up to scratch as a team and you're dropping a ball in defensive 50 to protect yourself, John Longmire would have been furious. And on the flip side... What if it becomes it, common it, course though, Hodgie? You're talking just about... Hold, hold your horses, hold your horses. On the flip side, on the flip side, if Close had have let go of the arm because he didn't want to roll him off and then they run away, they were getting outplayed, out-hustled and you're letting go of a Ford 50 tackle just so you don't get a tackle, a dangerous tackle, I reckon Scotty would have lost his marble. So as far as both players, I feel that both players, yes, they have options, but the other, it's unfootball-like for both players, mm. and it's uncoached. Coaches don't want to see both players do those options. So I'm sitting here going, the game is that hard, but unfortunately to the rules, he has to answer 
to the tribunal. Riley, rough conduct, dangerous tackles. This is how it's written in, in the ruling. So it says the application of a tackle may be considered rough conduct whereby the tackle consists of more than one action. Yep. Not sure that happened here. The tackle is of an inherently dangerous they kind. They will say twisted him. They will such say, as, they will hang say on, such as a spear or a, where a player is lifted off the ground. Third, the player's being tackled is in a vulnerable position. Example, arm or arms pin with little opportunity to protect himself or an opponent is slung, driven or rotated into the ground with excessive force. And it's funny, going back to the last time that Brad Close served a week suspension, it was a tackle on Jordan Dawson at GMHBA Stadium, Jeff Gleeson, the tribunal chair, said this... We accept that players tackle by grabbing an arm, but if the tackler realises or should realise that the tackled player is coming to ground with momentum and does not release the tackled player's arm that he might have used to protect himself, he will likely have breached his duty of care to that player. Yeah, and that's where the worry will be for Brad Close. I wonder if there's a view from the MRO that there's not enough force used in the tackle and Aaron Francis gets up, he plays on, and that could save him a little bit. I also wonder if it's incumbent on both the umpires and the rule makers. If the umpire blows his whistle half a second earlier there for a ball up, mm. is there any need for Brad Close to try and bring Aaron Francis to ground? I'm not even sure he tries to bring him to ground, Oji. It looked to me like, and this is all in the margins, and it's people's interpretation of the same instance. It's going to differ wildly, but I thought he was trying to hold him up, if anything, for a time. I think Francis is that, that much stronger than him that he was running away and... The tackle brought him to ground. I, I do believe that. But as far as the umpire blowing the whistle earlier, that happened in a split second. Umpire, mm. if, if the umpire had blown that too early and Francis had ran away from close because he's a bigger, stronger player, we would have been sitting there going, what did he call that for? Let him play it out. The, the, when you go back to when you're reading out the reasons for mm. uh, tribunal, um, the dangerous tackle, uh, there was one against Hipwood, I think it was last week or the week before, which was paid a free kick for a dangerous tackle and it was yep. actually let go because his head didn't hit the ground. That was still a spearing dangerous tackle. Yeah. So does it matter if the head hits the ground no, the head, or not? The head has to hit the ground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The head has to hit the ground. Because so, that's when they're talking about dangerous and they're trying to take the dangerous yeah. tackle out. A lot of people, and even though I was talking to a number of people there last night, and they were saying, well, if the head hits the ground or if it doesn't hit the ground, what well, does it matter? No, I think it's while it's not written into the ruling as such, history would say this year that the head has to hit the ground for there to be an answerable case. I, I would have because thought Because there right. has to be some basis given yeah. to outcome. So so obviously it would be classified as careless, careless, and the force can be debated, but the contact has to be somewhere. So in every player that's been suspended or fined, it has been high contact. Hence yep. why the, the head's hitting so the Because there has been a few extra dangerous, more there's more dangerous tackles, but then this one here, I didn't feel as was aggressive, but unfortunately yeah. his arm was pinned. No, like, like Riley suggests, is there a cause to be argued there when it comes to, to force King? Yeah, well, of course there is. I think that there was a... The, the, the standard setter for this was the, the Oliver tackle earlier in the year where he slung and, and that, there was no case to answer. It wasn't yeah. even tabled. Didn't hit his head. Yeah. Didn't hit his head. So that was the, that was the standard setter. So in this action, Hodgie, to get back to the case we're talking about, you're not comfortable with the player releasing the ball and you're not comfortable with the player releasing the, 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 the tackle. So what? how do you want the game to play this out? No, I'm, from what the rules are saying, I think he's going to get a week for it. Are you happy with that? No. I, I, look, it's hard because I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it to protect... The, look, protect players from concussion and we've seen a lot of players in the past that have had head knocks which in, it's, they're not going so well from it now so I can understand why they're doing it but on both sides the player with the ball can drop the ball close so, tackling so what couldn't do you let go to, of the man so my point is what do you want it to look like in, in eight weeks time what do you want it to look like that, that, that will be will be 
a week. As much as it is hard, I'm I'm happy for the week because of where we're trying to get to. Mm. As much as I as, as much as I feel for close, and this, this is the hardest thing saying as a former player. I don't. You want players to go and play football the way you remember football, the way you like it played, and they've made a hard stance. And have they gone too hard with the hard stance? At times, yes, but I can understand why they are doing it. Well, so if, if if just to come with me for a sec, right? So if <laughs> I if, hate when this because no, I don't know where no, you no, go. No, no, you come with me on any pathway here. Yeah, well, we've got to correct this. We've got to have an answer. There's no point as to in the same conversation every time this comes up, and there's no there's no option given to to how we step forward. So if the player did release the the, the pinned arm, Hodgie. And the umpire saw that as a trigger that he's got him, he's locked, I need to blow the whistle, right? And at least then the player can protect his head. He can put his arm to ground and you've already paid the free kick or you're going to ball the ball up. I think if you release the pinned arm, that solves both problems. But you've got, the umpire's got to come with us on that. He has, to, he has to see that as a trigger that he could sling him here, he could whip him, he could impact the head. But that, that also happens so fast. Like, I, know, I get it. I get this, it. This, is a hard game. this is a hard game to umpire. No matter what decision the umpires make, we're either saying, oh, he's got to let the, let the play unfold, or oh, he blew the whistle too early. So I can understand where he's saying that the umpire has to react quicker, but this was a really split-second decision. You watch it in slow motion, slow motion it's like, oh, yeah, he, he could have called it then. But, but if he released the arm, Hodgie, he would have been able to protect his head. If you unlock oh. the arm, if close left... Is this the ball that, carrier you're talking about? Francis had the ball in his left arm mm. and close has got hold of his right arm. Mm. If he lets go of his right arm, Francis protects himself. He protects his fall. He breaks his fall. Mm. And I know that's all quick, but these players can... They can get their if, hand down quicker than... If close lets go of his right arm, I reckon he breaks away from the tackle. Yeah, but the decision's already been made by the umpire because he's released the pin. The pinned arm he's releasing, decision's made. That's a trigger for the umpire so to re- say, right. So releasing a tackle is a ball up is your... Yeah, exactly. Your... Or a free kick if it is to be called a free kick, if you've had a prior opportunity, mm. then then that's fine. So you, you, you get you get both outcomes sorted. You get the decision that, that was going to be made, whether it's dropping the ball, had prior opportunity, or you get the ball up because of the trigger of you've got to make a decision now, umpire. I've, <laughs> I've, taken, I've put the player back into a safe space. I'm not taking him through the tackle. I'm not dumping him. I'm not risking his head, mm. but you need to make a call, umpire. Yeah, I don't. It's, again, it's all down to personal, personal view of the incident. I don't think it meets the criteria for a dangerous tackle. But rest assured, if they do offer him a week by the close of business, Hodgie Geelong will be challenging. We've seen that all year, yep. and it will happen Correct. again. It will go to the tribunal, and you we'll be talking. You laughed at me last week. We did when I said round twenty-three and round twenty-four. I laugh at you. There will be no tackles. <laughs> there will be no tackles like this. Because no, you said that tongue-in-cheek. You no, weren't no. serious about no, that. I t- mate, I said, of course you I weren't said serious. no tackles. You took it to the extreme. You, you and Sellers <laughs> carried on. But you like, said no tackles. No no tackles like this. This is a this is a tackle you can't make in round 24 or first week of the finals, Hodgie. You missed you miss the whole campaign. All right. All right. I reckon a coach will be wanting to play to be <laughs> making those tackles. Okay. Especially like because you, you're building up momentum into the finals. I understand what you're saying, King. You don't want to well, miss finals from it. I can't wait till round 24. <laughs> hey, Hodgie, there was a there was a strange situation, like extraordinary, really, with uh, Patrick Dangerfield. It doesn't happen too often. Set shot at goal. Swans were yep. all over it. Almost thought they were waiting for the countdown clock to expire, and then when they did, they they set upon him, and and Paddy was called to play on. Yeah. Well, the first one it should have been 50 because Paddy has taken a contested mark. Malikins. After it stopped, and yeah. umpire blows, has knocked the ball out of his hand, and then it was interesting. They've Paddy's gone back to to line up, and from all reports, the person on the mark. And Kingy, please tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is the per, the umpire on the mark directs the person with the ball from where the goals are to where his line should be. Mm-hmm. And that is the umpire's on the mark. The 
Paddy was lining up to have a shot. The umpire behind Paddy has walked up to Paddy, tapped him on the arm as Paddy's in his routine and said, move over two steps to your right. I've never seen an umpire behind the play do that. And in that two, three seconds, guess what? The umpire who was on the mark was telling Sydney players to move back, move back. There was no countdown. There was no, you got five seconds. All you heard through the mic that we had was the umpire, the off, the umpire behind Paddy said, two, one, and then they called play on. Like it was a absolute rabble. Yeah, and he kicked from that. Yeah. And he, he got rushed and kicked a point. Yeah. So from a 50 that should have been from Malik and hitting the ball out of his hand to the umpire behind Paddy, and that's what I mean, King, if I'm wrong, please tell me. No. But I've never seen an umpire that's standing behind the goal kicker to instruct whether he's going left or right. And even to the stage to go up there, tap him on the arm and say, can you move across two two steps? That was Paddy's routine, which he would have kicked the ball in his time if that umpire had stayed out of his way. Chris Scott, the Geelong coach, was asked about the play on calls post-match. Oh, I can only assume that um, he used up his 30, but I, I haven't sort of thought about it too. And the one that sort of irritated me a little bit more, to be honest, is the one where he got called to play on for stepping 10 centimetres off his line at the top of the 50. You know, you can come miles off your line these days and the umpire won't call you, but as soon as you're sort of shaped to kick and go 10 centimetres off your line, he calls you to play on. It's just the inconsistency there, not not from the umpires. I mean, around the ruling and the interpretation that, that they're provided doesn't make any sense to me. So I have a bit more of a look at the 30-second one. The one thing I will say is the Swans were all over it. So they knew. Maybe they know where the scoreboard is better than Pat does. And a number of coaches have spoken about this throughout the year, Hodgie, the quick play on call for just fractionally stepping off your, off your line. Yeah, and well, that's that's the instruction from the AFL to to the umpires. As soon as they see him move off the mark, they they want him to play play on to keep the ball in motion. But what we want to see is someone from the AFL to come out and make a clear decision on whether that was the right or wrong call, because there's a lot of confusion with that one too. Luke Hodges here, David King, Riley Beveridge, Sam Edmund, with you. You're listening to Crunch Time.